Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. You're welcome. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. <sighs> hey, Dad, you bring my Christmas money with you? Tracy asked, running down the stairs. Damn, girl, let me settle down first, her father responded to her. David grown a smooth mustache and a beard, looking closer to his age than what he did previously with his hairless baby face. Aight, just as long as you know what time it is, Tracy told him with a grin. It's time for you to come home, nigga. It's time for you to come home. Like, seriously, dude. Day strolled over towards the couch as Tracy's brother ran and jumped on his legs. He then dragged his son along with him as Jason clung tightly to his thigh, giggling with glee. Their father then sat on the couch with him as Tracy joined them. So how you doing in school? Her father asked her. I'm doing all right. High school ain't even as hard as I thought it would be. Well, why'd you think that high school was hard? Dave asked, referring to their neighborhood Germantown High School. Because everybody talked about high school in general, like it was supposed to be a big change or something. Well, it's more of a social change than an academic change, unless you would have gone to Central or Girls High like we wanted, Dave alluded. You know what? Tired of asking how he gets a say when he don't even he's still a father and I guess there's still like legal custody where you get to like say, I want them to go to this school, but then they don't. There's joint custody, there's physical custody, there's legal custody. Legal custody ain't no custody. All you get to do is say, I don't think she should be going to that doctor. And then they go anyway, and you're like, I'm going to take you back to court. That's all you are. That's that's it, Dave. You're the, I don't think she should be going to that school with them boys. I think she should be going to an all-girls school. Shut the fuck up, Dave. Okay. Tracy sighed, tired of hearing about those nerd schools. Her father warned her sternly. Now make sure you stay away from them drugs, stay in school, and don't get pregnant. Tracy brushed his comments off with a laugh. I'm serious, girl, her father told her. I ain't taking no drugs, Dad, and I like to dress so much to miss school. Then I can show off my clothes and stuff. Dave smiled. Yeah, I know. Shut up, Dad, Tracy said, playfully slapping his shoulder. What about these young guys your mother told me been calling you? You got a boyfriend yet? Tracy giggled, embarrassed. Mom ain't tell you that, because I don't have any boyfriends. Dave grinned. Why not? Because all the good ones are taken. 13. Aw, oh, here we go with that stuff, her father commented with a smirk. Tracy smiled. What? 
you girls always talking about the good ones get away. And most of the time, what you consider a good guy is really a bad guy. And you probably got a real good guy out there that's dying to be a little boyfriend. Omar, come on now, fam. That's that's too on the nose. Really? Between this and Victor and all that? Really? Stop. No, it ain't. They be goofballs. I want a decent guy. See? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Tracy looked at herself in the diamond-shaped mirrors on her living room wall. I mean, Dad, I'm too fine to get some regular guy. I feel like I deserve the best guy I can get. Day smiled, proud of his handsome jeans. I see. You think it just like your mother used to think, he commented while wrestling with his son. Tracy paused for a second. She looked towards the top of the stairs, wondering what her mother was doing. She had to know that Dave was home. No, rephrase. She had to know that Dave was at their house. With all the commotion they had made, Mom's probably refusing to see him, she thought to herself. Did you tell Mom that you were coming? She asked her father. Dave didn't respond to her, as he was too busy playing with Jason. What'd you say? Tracy wasn't sure if it was her place of comments on her relationship. But he's asking about mine, she told herself. Did you tell Mom you were coming? She forced herself to ask again. Dave thought to himself for a second. Yes, yeah, she knows, he said solemnly. Patty never did come down to see him during his short visit. Dave would have stayed longer had she come down to see him, but he understood how she felt, and he wasn't ready to give up his freedom yet. He realized that he was being selfish, but I'm still taking care of the bills around here, he told himself. Patty still would not allow another man inside the house, and Dave paying off the major bills seemed to service his psychological leash on her. As long as Patty continued to live here in his house, Dave figured he could keep tabs on her actions. I hate this whole family. Except for Jason. He don't deserve this shit. Tracy's father left after giving her $400 for Christmas and promising her brother to Santa Claus to put some big toys under the tree for him. Tracy thought about her father's comments on good guys versus bad guys. And that's the other thing. You're literally taking notes on good guys versus bad guys from a bad guy that you know is a bad guy because he never comes around unless he wants some pussy or to see you and your brother for like 20 to 30 minutes at a time. But okay. Tracy thought about her father's comments on good guys versus bad guys, but her mind was made up. She looked in the mirror again and decided that weak-minded nice guys were meant for girls of a slower caliber. She wasn't attracted to guys who didn't have anything going. It wasn't her fault that they were slow. They scrapped to the girls that are more their speed, Tracy thought. Because she was in the big leagues. She made it there. At 13, she's batting cleanup. She's cleaning up all the money. She wants all the clothes. All the fame. She wants to be a fly girl at 13. Tracy came home from school and noticed Mercedes climbing out the driver's seat of a blue Honda Prelude. She was driving. 19 years old and still looking sharp. She wore a long black leather coat against a winter chill. Hey, girlfriend, she called. Hi, Tracy responded, hugging her. Damn, you got tall as shit, Mercedes exclaimed, looking Tracy over. And look at that ass on you, girl. Give me some of that. Tracy cringed. Ew, you sound fruity. Fuck you, dude. Fuck you. I, I know this is like the 80s, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I guess. Like, my boy Brandon keeps telling me I need to let this shit go, but still, go fuck yourself, bro. Like, you thought that was a good thing to write in this book, where it wasn't even necessary. Like, it wasn't nothing necessary about that at all. She knows Mercedes' orientation. 
She knows that. Mercedes comments about and compliments her on something that really, as a 13-year-old, why compliment her on her ass? Like, seriously. But, you know, Mercedes is the bad seed. So, her cussing and commenting on her ass is showing that she's the bad one. Just like that other dude who smokes weed, Travis. So, Mercedes, who knows that you like boys, and you know Mercedes likes boys, because you saw her get out the car with a boy who was her boyfriend at that time. Says you have a nice ass and you like, ew, you sound fruity. Now, I know you're joking because they put at the end of it, she joked. But still, go fuck yourself, dog. And I know 13-year-olds are punk-ass kids who say that kind of shit. But you got to really teach them about that. And for you to write this in your book as an adult, first of all, your whole book so far is about 13-year-olds having sex. And bad parenting. So there's that. But this, yeah, still, nah. Mercedes frowned at her. Oh, girl, shut up. I don't go that way. Let's go in your house and have some girl talk. It's freezing out here. They went inside, and Mercedes took a seat on the couch. She then opened up her coat, revealing a royal blue suede dress laced with gold chains. Tracy counted six of them, which doubled her collection of chains. Mercedes had a new pair of gigantic gold earrings as well, and her hair was fabulously styled as usual. So what's been up, girl? She asked Tracy. Your sister had a boyfriend, Tracy told her. Get out of here, Mercedes piped. She did? What dummy would go with her? Tracy chuckled. Some boy named Bruce. How he look? Oh, he cute, but he was slow. Yeah, he got to be slow to deal with her, Mercedes commented taking out a pack of Newports. Yep, I liked him at first, but after I seen how stupid he was, that was it, Tracy added, not saying anything about Mercedes smoking at her house. Mercedes took her first drag and puff. Then she asked, so who you been seeing, girlfriend? Because I know you gave up them panties by now. Thirteen. Tracy answered, bashfully but proud. The only one who got some of this was a boy named Victor. Mercedes' eyes lit up. Victor Henson? She asked excitedly. Yeah, how you know? Mercedes chuckled through the smoke. I just messed with his older brother, she answered. So little Victor was taking it to you, huh? Little Victor? The nigga's actually closer to you in age than... You know what? Each y'all three years apart. So, yeah. Little Victor. Three years difference. So you're not looking at little Victor like y'all have a three years difference. That's gross. But you're too old for him. Mm, okay. Tracy made through a smile. Yeah. Well, did you get anything from him? What you mean by that? I mean, did he give you some gear, some money or something? I know you didn't just give him the pussy for free, did you? Tracy answered, feeling ashamed as if she should have known better. Oh, well, he just got what he wanted and left. Girl, what did I tell you before? Mercedes said seriously. Do you smoke? She quizzed. No, Tracy snapped, not caring what Mercedes felt about it. Tracy didn't like cigarettes, and neither of her parents smoked. Mercedes puffed her cigarette with dark slit eyes, dressed to kill and sparkling with gold. She tossed out her gold ring cigarette holding hand and ran down the game from the girl side of things. I told you, don't give them nothing unless they got something to give you. Now I know Victor's a suave young boy and all, but you don't get nothing out of it because I had his older brother and I know. They some stingy motherfuckers. Half the time, girls end up buying them shit. 
Now what you do is get a nice looking nut dude with some money and romance his ass. If you can get something without doing anything with him, then do it. But if you can't, then make sure you play with his mind real good before you do. Because see, a lot of guys are stingy until you give them some pussy. But once you do, they start acting dumb, all in love and shit. Somebody, and again, I'm reading this from the Amazon Kindle. Well, I'm reading it from my iPad, but it's a Kindle app. Anyhow. Somebody, that whole ass paragraph right there about how, how you give them some pussy and break them down, but you don't give them nothing. Somebody took notes of that because it's all underlined, which means somebody loved this whole ass comment. And I wish I could find out, oh, 15 other people highlighted this part of the book. Grow the fuck up. All 15 of you niggas. I hope you highlighted it like Derek's going to get to this part and he's going to say something to me about it. He's going to say something to me directly. Yup. Grow the fuck up. Mercedes straightened out a few of the gold rings on her fingers. Watch out for the hustlers, though, because they'll try and hurt you. What about getting pregnant and stuff? Tracy asked, thinking about what her father had warned. Mercedes dug into her bag and pulled out a plastic case. These are birth control pills. You just take one of these every day. She then wrote a number down on a piece of paper. You go into this clinic and they'll give you the right doses for your body and stuff. And it's confidential, she added. Mercedes gave Tracy the number. Tracy immediately thought about Bruce, plotting to seduce him. Great. Thanks, Mercedes. But on the other hand... Mercedes talking about those pills really did just remind me to take my pills. So not birth control, though, not birth control, not birth control. Mind your own fucking business. Although if they did have a birth control pill for men, I'd take that shit because then I wouldn't have had to get a vasectomy. But I got a vasectomy because y'all's children fucking suck. There's a few of y'all niggas out there just doing it the right way. Most of y'all is niggas. Y'all white people, y'all's kids is the worst. Like, seriously, I got a whole phrase after dealing with y'all's motherfucking kids. Twigs. T-W-I-G-S. And I said to my wife, I don't even say nothing past twigs. I just look at her and say twigs. And she giggles because she knows what the fuck I'm talking about. Twigs stands for, that's why I got snipped. Y'all's kids is fucking horrible. Like, so bad. Like, no control. Like, y'all just want to be friends with your kids. And I understand. Discipline? Yeah, cool. Not really a fan of it. But I will. I ain't going to hit my kid, but I'm at least talk to him and tell him the right way to do things. And we're going to walk that path and represent Woo up in this bitch. We're going to do something. Y'all just be like, okay, Reginald. Calm down, Jeffrey. Come over here, Titus. Nah, nigga, you got to talk to your kids from the age of zero through the age of 12. That's when you lead them motherfuckers from the age of 12 to the age of like 16. That's when you walk beside them motherfuckers. And then after 16 to 18, you walk behind them, but not that far so that they can live their own life. And then you are there. They're adults at the age of 18, but they're not really. So you're still walking with them, but you're not leading their life. Y'all niggas got to like the age of four and was like, okay, Apple, go have fun. Live your life. Jumping on couches and all kind of wild ass shit. And I don't know. I don't know if it's all y'all. It probably ain't. I'm sure there's some black kids that be wilding out too. But they get snatched the fuck up when people find out about it. The difference between a black neighborhood and a white neighborhood, as far as I can tell, back in the day and probably right now as well, a black person, when they get fed up enough, will check a black person's child. If they go to the same church, same school, same anything, they getting checked. And then the parent is like, well, you shouldn't have talked to my kid like that. But at the same time, why the fuck would you wilding out?
I don't know what y'all do at white places. Like, I don't fucking know. But yeah, twigs. Twigs, nigga. You hear me say it. That's why I got snipped. That means your kid is probably fucking awful. <sighs> Hi, Mom, Mercedes said as her mother opened the door. Beth's eyes bloomed. Where have you been? She queried, hugging her daughter excitedly. Mercedes had chosen to live on the wrong side of the tracks, but she was still her mother's first child. I've been around, but I've been busy. Like, for all intents and purposes, Mercedes seems like she's living an okay life. She's 19, so she's going to go after things like fashion and, 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 and gold and all that kind of shit. And she's going to give really bad advice to kids younger than her because she's fucking 19. When my daughter was 19, she literally thought Nicki Minaj was better than Aretha Franklin at singing. Let's put it like that. But by and large, for a 19-year-old, she's not doing bad. Like, she's not on the streets. She's not homeless. She's not on drugs. Yeah, she cusses. She's fucking 19. You know what I do at the age of fucking 40, whatever? Go suck my dick. Like, you keep trying to make her out to be a bad person. She got out of an abusive household. She recognized it was an abusive household. And she noped the fuck out. Why are you trying to make her seem like a villain? She's on the wrong side of the tracks. Nigga, she got a car, a house, enough money to buy whatever clothing she needs, and food for herself. And what? Jesus. Rahima came out from the kitchen and listened in from the dining room. Well, what you been up to? Beth asked, stepping back to take a look at Mercedes, who she had not seen in six months. I got a job at Mellon Bank. At the age of 19, niggas, she got a job at a fucking bank. Do you understand that getting a job at a bank at the age of 19 in the 80s means that by the time we get to 2023, you own like two houses and you're telling your kids to pull themselves up out of fucking bootstraps? Also, bootstraps. Bootstraps. Just a, just a quick aside. People use the term pull yourself up by your bootstraps back in the day as a fucking joke because it was goddamn impossible. And you know what happened? As time went on and the people who made the joke fucking died out, rich people were like, you know what? It's our time now. We're going to take that shit. So it's like how y'all start dabbing and shit like six years after it's popular. Oh, and also white people. Yeah, you directly. Stop wanting to be in our culture and not be a part of our culture. Like, if you don't want to help our culture out, stop stealing our shit. Like, I've heard so many people using phrases that I know came from rap music, using so much slang that I know came from the block. And then y'all are out there like, yeah, but they're troublemakers. They're gangsters. Nigga, I just heard you say, on my mama. I just heard you say, keep it a hundred. I just heard you say some outlandish shit. Like, get the fuck off my ass. Like, for real. Like, for real. Y'all full of shit. And y'all are full of shit when you want to be full of shit, which is the frustrating part. There was a video going around Instagram that I sent out to a few people because it was funny as fuck. And it was a white girl who had been working for 10 hours and hadn't eaten and all she wanted was Wingstop. And another white dude took it and made it into like a whole rock song and it was fucking dope. And I sent it out to people because the shit was fucking hilarious. And so I'm laughing at it, but I'm also thinking about it because this girl is like a, a, a fucking, it's, it seems like she's a fucking college student. And so it seems like 
when she grows up, it hit me as I'm laughing at this shit, that when she grows up, she's going to be the one who's literally calling the cops on black kids who are out there just trying to live their lives. That's going to be her. But yeah, this shit. She worked for 10 hours. All she wants is Wingstop. All I want is Wingstop. Fucking drive. It's a white girl talking to white people. And it's funny till you realize that she probably just does horrible things to black people in a couple years. But again, to recap, she has a job at Mellon Bank at the age of 19. And she's living with this guy who's in law school. That doesn't seem like a bad life to me. Law school? Well, that's great. Do you plan to get married to him? I mean, we'll have to see what happens. He may not want me after you finish his school. You know how sorry these niggas get out here. But how you been doing, Mom? Mercedes asked, changing the subject. I've been hanging in there, you know. How's Miss Patty doing? I forgot to ask Tracy while I was over there. She's just fine. Everybody's fine, Beth said. She looked over at her younger daughter and wished the two of them could settle their differences. Rahima, get on over here and say hi to your sister, girl. Rahima got up hesitantly and walked over to them. She had been feeling lonely since Bruce had stopped coming around, and she had been thinking about Mercedes. She's still my sister, she told herself. Mercedes squealed, What? My little sister wants to hug me and shit? This must be Christmas time. Beth was glad the fighting was over. Mercedes said, Well, since we've made up, then I guess it's okay if I ask about the old man. So how's he doing? Well, you should wait and see him. I know he's just dying to lay his eyes on you, Beth suggested. I'll tell you what, Mom. I'll come back tomorrow and see him. Because tomorrow's Friday and I still have some things to do. Mercedes responded, ready to leave back out. She never did stay long. Spending too much time in that house seemed to bring back depressing memories. What do you mean, seem to? Like, you... You keep pinning her as this bad person. Like she's the bad seed. And then you literally have a moment of clarity where you're like her spending too much time in this house I'm gonna say it gives her depressing memories you're fucking right it does <sighs> Rahima and Beth watched her car as she pulled off Rahima asked what do you think mom she's doing alright honey do you think she's telling the truth about that lawyer guy well it doesn't really matter honey as long as she's alive and well Beth closed the door as they walked back inside Bruce and Bucky got ready for another party. The local YMCA on Green Street, off of Chelton Avenue, was being rented out. Bucky took all day, while Bruce was dressed in an hour. They expected to rack up, or in other words, to collect many phone numbers at night. Bruce wore new, gold-framed, neo-style glasses that cost over $150. He spent money recklessly, but usually it was only on himself. Bucky called him a stingy motherfucker. They was on their way, both wearing expensive black leather bomber jackets. When they had arrived, crowds were packed outside as they greeted and shook the hands of all the people they knew while setting up to romance pretty girls. Girls stared at Bruce, and he felt lucky as they paid their $3 and walked inside. He moved over to a sexy, big-butted girl and asked her to dance. She looked at him as if she was in love and agreed to it. 
She then moved in closer to him as the DJ mixed the Boogie Boys hit rap song, Fly Girl. I'm telling y'all, that song, it's a bop. It's not the biggest bop in the world, but it's definitely back in the 80s. It was a bippity boppity boo. Like, y'all need to give Fly Girl its respect. It's really fucking redundant, like I said. But the verses are also really fucking redundant. Because verses in the 80s were really fucking stupid. They were just starting. Like, when you see a... a, a, a one-year-old or a, a nine-month-old or whatever walking, you don't expect them to start running. Like, you expect them to seem really fucking bad at it because they're, they're, they're fucking infants. Rap was a fucking infant back then. So, for their lyrics to be so fucking horrible, it's fine because they were growing up so quickly. And the, and the, the, the Beastie Boys led to the Boogie Boys, which was actually a fucking step down. Now I shouldn't have kept saying that. Because now it just seems like they were just a fucking bad group. Because after them came Rakim, which is better than both of them motherfuckers. <sighs> Sometimes I got to stop thinking out loud. But Fly Girl, yeah, like I said, repetitive, redundant. Fly Girl. But it was different. And, and yeah, I might play a bit. I don't know. Not really ready to get sued. Bruce smiled. I guess this means you like me, huh? Because she let you dance with her? I guess it does. What's your name, he asked. Jocelyn, the sexy, big-butted girl told him. That's a pretty one. I know, but what's yours? Bruce? Bruce squeezes behind as they dance. You got a girlfriend, Bruce? Not at the moment, but I do want your phone number. Bruce's private was getting harder and harder. Jocelyn whispered, squeezing his behind again. I'll give it to you if you promise to give me some. She was too aggressive and downright nasty for Bruce's taste. Like, nigga, what? Nigga, you started this. Like, every single time that you and Bucky go to a party and Bucky fucking disappears, you go up to somebody looking for sex and then you run back home to fucking uh, Rahima and miss out on sex. Well, this girl is saying, I'm going to give you my number if you give me some dick. Which seems like a fair exchange. And you're like, nah, she too fucking nasty, dog. She asked me for sex. I usually beg for sex. I wasn't prepared. Like, get the fuck out of my face. They continued to dance until the DJ mixed in the, ooh, the show by Slick Rick and Dougie Fresh. That song is a bop. Now, that's one of the greatest songs of all time, period. The place rocked with one of the most popular rap tunes, but they then decided to take a break as Jocelyn wrote her number down. Bruce left her and went to the other side of the room to get another number, thinking that he was the shit. Bruce asked a sharply dressed, dark-skinned girl, Hey, pretty, you want to dance? She gave her Gucci bag to her girlfriend and started to dance with her without a word. She kept her distance and did the WAP, which I've always thought was a racial slur. Like, there are certain things out there in the world that when I hear them, I immediately think those had to have been made before people realized that that's fucked up. One of them is the WAP, which is a dance that the Beastie Boys talk about and also the Flintstone flop. Um, but I just figure, you know, 
It's not the best term to use for a dance move, especially not in an Italian neighborhood. You do the math. The other thing that I think about all the time when I think about stuff like this, which isn't that often because I have shit to do. But the other thing I think about every so often, like maybe like right now, like other than that, and I fuck those. But sometimes like I only think of it on two occasions. That's now and next time I think about it. Okay, that's pretty much it. Um, Spick and Span. Spick and Span. um, Cleaner. Yeah, just let that one just ruminate in your head for a second. The phrase in itself, Spick and Span. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So... What what was that first word? Oh yeah yeah, where where'd you come up with and and span? Just didn't want to say spick in Mexican, huh? Just spick and span. So yeah, when I think about that one, I'm like, they let that go past, huh? We're we're, we're fixing that Jemima, but that one's still on the block, huh? Just, still just doing it. But the WAP definitely like no, like. That's like going out on the floor and being like, back up, y'all, back up, back up. I'm about to do the next. <sighs> she then turned around and moved closer to him as he leaned up against her. Bruce soon turned to avoid it, though. Tired of having a heart on. You know, one of the worst songs in the world has one of the worst openings in the world. And the opening is literally... I wonder if she can tell that I'm hard right now. They played that a lot of eighth grade dances. They could tell. After a while, Bruce grew weary of dancing. Hey, look, let's go over here so I can talk to you right quick, he says suddenly. He pointed to some chairs off to the corner of the large gym. The girl retrieved her Gucci back from her girlfriend's and decided to oblige. Bruce moved their chairs so they face each other. So, what's your name? Tasha. That's a nice one. Thank you, she said, smiling. Bruce asked, what would you say if I told you I would like to be your boyfriend in the future? Nigga, that's quick. That's that's like that um, woman who started dancing and love got them into a groove. And then he went to dance with somebody else, so she just literally stalked that nigga around the club for the rest of the night. While the music played, because he wouldn't get away. That song is wild. Tasha hunched her shoulders. I don't know. Well, my name is Bruce. Nigga, you just telling her your name? You asked to be her boyfriend in the future before you tell her your name. I'm really trying to think about what I used to do when I was 16 years old. That wasn't on the list. That was not. But then again, neither was getting ass. Like, I, I, I didn't have sex till college. Like, I just, I did a lot of things, but that wasn't on the list. Mostly because I was pretty much fucking traumatized by the belief that somebody would kick in the door at my house and catch me balls deep. See, I told my eldest son, I was like, you know what? I told him about how my brother, after I got out of college, 
we were staying at a house that had a room. Yeah, you know, houses tend to do that. But it had a room, and the room had a door. <laughs> yeah, this is going somewhere. And the door was not on the hinges. Like, the door was literally just leaned up against the door frame. It was a thing. Um, and my brother brought uh, some girl to this house and took her into that room and leaned the door up against the frame and laid this girl down on a mattress. Not on a bed, but on a mattress. Why she consented to all this, I do not know. Because at the point where he leans the door against the frame, all bets are off. And then when he turns you around and says, that's the spot right there, and points to a mattress on the ground without a sheet on it, nigga, is this a crack house? Are we... Are we in a crack house? Nigga, you don't... You don't have a refrigerator. Is this... Are you trying to get me high? But she consented. That's important. And so he was, you know, having sex. I know this because I was in the front room. Why was I in the front room while he was in the back room? Because I think it was my fucking room. Like, and also... <laughs> Where the fuck was I going to go? Like, I didn't have a car at that point in time, I believe. I think. I'm pretty certain. Because instead of putting oil into my car, I put cigarettes into my lungs. And so my engine exploded. So I didn't have a car. So anyway, my brother is getting it in. And I'm sitting in the front room. And I hear the garage door open and my dad walks in. Yeah, I used to know the guy. Anyhow, he walks in and he has food in his hands because, again, there's no refrigerator. So everything has to be ate fresh. And so we are about to have fried chicken or whatever. And he walks in and they're not being quiet in the back room. So he hears him in the back room and he looks at me and I shrug my shoulders because I'm not getting any. And so I'm not getting in trouble. Like what? Am I the gatekeeper? Like what exactly are we here for? Let me go, officer. Um... My dad walks back to this room that, again, has the door leaned up against the hinges, against the frame. And I know my dad was in the Air Force, but I always thought he just worked in an office. Because when I went to his job, he worked as an air traffic controller in a bunker underground. Make it make sense. I couldn't do it. Um, this nigga does a SWAT kick on the door. And boom, 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 boom. Kicks the door. Not even off the frame since it wasn't on it. But kicks the door pretty solidly and the door falls forward and it just hits the ground. My brother is on top. So all you see is ass cheeks as, and balls as he's plowing into this girl. And the girl is looking at the door. Because the mattress was right there. But the door wasn't right there. The door didn't hit them. The door hit the floor right next to the mattress. And so the girl is looking at my dad. Looking at her. Waiting for my brother to recognize that he was standing there. I don't know how long the nigga watched. It wasn't long enough to be nasty, I guess. Because he kicked down the door. And then he just waited a few seconds. And he said, dinner's ready. And then he just walked out. This nigga kicked in the door, knew my brother was in there getting it in, 
and said dinner's ready and walked away. And why am I saying all this? Because I told my eldest son, if I ever came home and caught you having sex with a girl, I wouldn't even be mad at you. I would just open the door and be like, dinner's ready and walk out. That would be way more embarrassing than anything else. I also told him that if she was an ugly girl, I'd tell all his friends he was balls deep in a wildebeest. But I've matured since then. Everybody's pretty in their own way. I mean, I, I, not everybody. Let's not lie. There are some people who do weird shit to their faces that just, why? But most people, you know, they, 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 they're okay. Most people. Also, you know, I had to make sure I told y'all about that. Balls deep in the wildebeest. But my name is Bruce. She grinned and extended her hand to his. Okay. Bruce then slowly placed his hand on her knee while looking around the gym to make sure that Jocelyn didn't catch him. I put my hand on my wife's knee when we were first dating. I didn't mean to. We were in the car. You know I fucking hate this book, right? Because I'm talking about everything but the book. We were in the car, and we were in my car, and music was playing. And usually the seat next to me is empty, so, you know, I, I like music. I like drumming beats. So I started drumming a beat, and usually it's on the seat next to me. I'm drumming a beat on the seat. You know what I'm saying? But this time, instead of it being the seat, that was thigh meat. So I was drumming a beat on the thigh meat in, on the seat. And then I realized the seat was kind of soft and supple. And I looked up and I was drumming a beat on the thigh meat. And my wife was looking at me like, nigga, this is our first date. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm so sorry. And she thought I was trying to get somewhere with that. Like, kind of a bad turn on with that beat. Just, hey, you like that? My name is Derek. I was not doing it. I was playing a beat. Mm-hmm. He asked Tasha calmly, what the fuck? What the fuck? So, want to be my boy? Can I be your boy from the future? By the way, my name is Bruce. He sits her down the corner. And make sure the other girl that he was just dancing with that was too nasty for his liking is around. And then he asked Tasha calmly, have you ever made love before? She lied and said, yeah. How old are you? Tasha lied again. 15. She was really 14. You got a boyfriend? Tasha finally told him the truth. No. Bruce smiled through his gold neo-style frames. Well, you gonna think about me, right? Yeah, Tasha said, bashfully, believing that he was cool. Bruce asked sternly, like he had witnessed Victor do. So what's your number? 542. Wait, write it down, he told her, cutting her off. Tasha took out a piece of paper from her bag. Bruce supplied her with a pen. She then wrote her number down, and Bruce got up to look for Bucky, who will now magically appear again because Bruce needs him. Bucky literally has nothing in this story. <sighs> Look, I'll call you up when I get a chance, all right? He told Tasha, strolling away as if he were to shit. You better, Tasha retorted playfully. She was planning on telling her girlfriends all about him. Of course she is. She's 14. 
While on his search for his friend Bucky, Bruce spotted Carmen. Oh shit, he panicked. His heart began to race. If Carmen was there, then Tracy might be as well. He was not prepared to see her, especially while he was on a roll. Bruce felt inferior when he was around Tracy. Then again, he figured, this might be the best time to talk to her. She'll see how many other girls like me. Before he could even look, a familiar voice husked in his ear. Hi, Bruce. Now, again, sorry, going back. Just going to say it again for the record. She's 13. She can't husk in his ear. It's still, hi, Bruce. I don't even know what girls sound like when they're 13. I'm trying to think about it because my youngest daughter is about to turn 21. So I don't remember what she sounded like when she was 13, but I'm pretty sure it was like Miss Piggy. Husking in a guy's ear at the age of 13, baby, was your voice deep when you were 13? Did you have like the sultry, you know, voice you have now when you were 13? Even close? Did you even know how to have a voice like that? She said no, ladies and gentlemen. Her voice is sultry. She's not that age where she, she, I'm not giving y'all her age. I don't know if we still get murdered for that shit. (laughs) But let's just say for the record that that laugh right there literally makes the sunrise. And her voice, she didn't have that shit when she was 13. I'm not even sure about that shit, but I'm pretty 100% certain. Because when I hear the girls on my basketball team, those girls, what? Like, this dude is literally putting two on the 10 when it comes to 13, 14, and 15-year-olds. And it's fucking weird. Tracy stepped out in front of him with a straight face, twinkling eyes and shiny gold chains, wearing an orange sweater that hugged her pert breasts. Nigga, she's 13. Her legs were slightly open suggestively, and Bruce was thinking about doing it to her on sight. There was no way to get around her. He was shocked, stunned, dazzled, and immediately afraid of her. He knew he wasn't the shit went up against Tracy. Oh, my bad, ladies and gentlemen. She was only 14. Bruce said, what's up? And moved past her nervously. He hastily entered the bathroom like a scattering alley cat and looked into the mirror, stalling for time. He wanted to talk to her, but he couldn't help feeling goofy and corny around her. Tracy had already told all her girlfriends that Bruce liked her. The word was out. He was scared to even look at her. Walking back out into the party, he spotted Tracy's huddle of friends waiting for him. Tracy was in the middle, like a football quarterback. Cool and confident boys moved in, asking her to dance, but Tracy turned them all down. Bruce went over and asked someone else to dance, but he could see Tracy staring at him from his left side. He had a feeling that she was waiting for him. He felt like a winner, deciding to keep her guessing. That way he would be in command. Yet Tracy destroyed his plans, deciding to approach him while he danced instead of waiting for him. Hey, Bruce, you don't want to dance with me or something? She asked seductively. Sorry. Hey, Kermy! (laughs) I don't know how Miss Piggy sounds, but there's no seductiveness in a 14-year-old dog. How are you writing this? How old were you when you wrote this book, fam? It's not troubling, 
but it should be like, I don't know. I don't know too many people who woke up in the morning and was like, you know what? I'm going to write a book about a 14, 13, 12 year old who all she wants to do is have sex and be fly. Oh, and her parents are really shitty. She made it sound as if she were desperate and begging for him. And Bruce liked it. No, he responded to her. The girl he was dancing with became apprehensive. Is she your girlfriend or something? She asked, reading Tracy's tone. Nah, she just likes me, he told her. Tracy moved over to a nearby wall to continue staring at him. She was worried. Her plan to seduce him would never work if Bruce was no longer interested. And she was still standing there, several songs later, turning boys down as Bruce watched her watching him. Bucky appeared and walked up beside him, grinning. Tracy's here. Yeah, I know. Bucky chuckled. Well, you gonna game her up or what, man? He asked, right in front of the other girl, not caring if she heard him. Tracy was more important than his eyes. She was one of the flyest girls there. Yeah, but I'm going to make her wait some more, Bruce told him. Bucky looked at his watch. Yo, man, it's almost 12 o'clock and she might have to go home soon. Um, excuse me, but it seems you have other things on your mind. Bruce's dance partner commented as she walked off from him. Who does he think he is? She fumed to herself. She felt slighted. Bucky looked at Bruce and hunched his shoulders. Fuck her, man. Go talk to Tracy. Bucky was right. Tracy did have to leave soon, but she refused to. She told Carmen that she would stay until Bruce decided to talk to her. Bruce finally called her over to him. Tracy walked over to Bruce real slow, as if he were controlling her will with magic. She answered him like a child when she had reached him. Yes, Bruce. Nigga, she is a child, so it should just say she answered him. Like, you wrote this, dog. And it's weird. It's really troubling. <sighs> Wait. So my beloved and I did some mathing. This book came out in 1993. Duke was born in 1969. That means when he wrote this book, he was 24 years old. That's way too old to be writing about shit like this. Nigga, write. Like, you don't have to make the child part of this be so fucking long. I think that's my biggest issue, and I always talk about it, but fuck it. Why not keep going? Nigga, you are 24 years old, writing about the pert breasts of a 14-year-old, and nobody's raising their eyebrows at you? No one but me? Word? When I go to Good Pods, not Good Pods, Goodreads, nobody's doing reviews about this shit? Okay, I better stop, because obviously, I'm the only one who really sees this shit for what it is. Which is nasty, nigga. Nasty. You you could have had, like, maybe 15 to 20 pages dedicated to her teenage years and her meeting Victor and having sex for the first time and then moved on to her being 18. But, nigga, we have literally been in this shit for 78 pages. And that's just the first time she meets Victor. So she was doing shit before that, but Victor was 78 pages ago. Why? Tracy was doing a good job of playing with his mind. Bruce actually felt like he was manipulating her. You want to dance with me now? He asked. 
If you want me to. Bruce took her hand for a slow song. The DJ played the art of noises, moments in love. That is the best hold music. Moments in love is just that great hold music. It's also the music to the remix of uh, Tootsie Roll. But, I mean, it's not really hold music, but it feels like it. Because it's like, bam, 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 Y'all need to go on YouTube and just type in the best hold music ever. And that shit will pop up. Best hold music ever sounds just like this. See what I mean? Same exact shit. They owe a lot of money to the Moments in Love folks. Also, I bet you when folks actually listened to that song back in the 80s, they tried to go harder when it went dun, 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 dun. There are certain songs that are just made for fucking. I don't think that song's one of them. I don't know. I don't know. Anyhow. Tracy's emotions didn't seem to be into it. Bruce assumed she was angry at him for making her wait. Are you mad at me or something? He whispered. Why would I be mad at you? Bruce felt it was a weak question and tried to cover up. When are you about to leave? He asked. Tracy lied. As soon as my girlfriends are ready. Well, me and Bucky can leave with y'all. Okay, Tracy happily agreed. Her plans were beginning to work perfectly because she had to get home soon. Her mother was still acting bitchy about the midnight curfew. I would too, because you're 14. And you've had the midnight curfew since you were 13. In Philly. In the 80s. During... Nigga, look. I know he's trying to make Travis out to be the bad guy because Travis smokes weed, but there should be at least like two or three crackheads somewhere in this book. In Philly. In 1985. That's why your mama don't want you to have a midnight curfew. Because there's literal crackheads walking the streets of Philly. At midnight. While your 13 year old behind is out there walking home alone with your girlfriends. But nah. They keep treating them like you know. They're 22. Not 13. What a curfew. Bruce told Bucky their plans and they all left. Bucky flirted with Carmen on the way to Tracy's house, but Bruce continued to keep his distance from her, to keep her guessing, of course. 
He wanted to act as if he were really in control of things. As they walked, Bucky noticed they were nearing his cousin's house. He secretly let Bruce know, and Bruce decided to try his luck. He figured he had nothing to lose. He stopped and called Tracy over to him. Why don't you hang out with me, Tracy? He asked while holding her hand. We can all chill over Bucky's cousin's house. He lived right up the street. Tracy jerked away from him. Nah, I gotta get home. Look, it's only one night. Sometimes you just gotta say fuck it, he told her, stealing a line from Tom Cruise's risky business. Tracy laughed at him, recognizing the line. Boy, you even watched too many movies. Bruce felt a strong impulse to go for it, like Victor and the other playboys would do. Look, if you don't go with me tonight, then it's over. So don't ever speak to me again, he ranted. Tracy backed away and continued to laugh. She figured this threat was harmless. She could twist Bruce around her little finger anytime she wanted to. Who is he trying to be, she asked herself. I right, then, she told him, walking away to rejoin her friends. Bucky shook his head and imitated Fred Sanford. You big dummy. Bruce sighed and said, man, I'll never get no ass. You had a girl who said, if I give you my number, you gonna give me some? The girl said that to you, and you were like, that's too fast for me. I don't like that shit at all. You had a girl who lives across the street from you, whose mother left the house and was trying to find you to give you some more ass. But you were at Rahima's house. And now here we are, you saying you ain't going to never get no ass. I guess, again, maybe that's what you were thinking? Bucky headed for his cousin's house. Don't worry about it, Brucey. Try again tomorrow, he said, imitating Tracy. He laughed even harder as his cousin answered the doorbell to let them in out the cold. After Christmas, Tracy and Bruce saw each other at the USA Skating Rink in Northeast Philadelphia. Bruce kept his distance while Tracy stared at him, driving him crazy. And eventually, he was drawn to her like a fly to fruit, while trying his hardest to resist temptation. But he couldn't. Why are you always staring at me if you don't like me? He huffed at her. Why are you over there staring at me uh, like you don't want to dance? I think those are the words. I don't remember. Me and uh, East Coast rap didn't get along very well. Was that Mace? Did Mace make that song? Me neither. Yep, it was Mace. And the song is actually, why you over there looking at me while, you, while my girl's standing here? But I didn't know, because why the fuck would I be listening to Mace? You know who did, though? My homie Scar. He loves Harlem World. I should have asked him. He would have known, but I didn't, because what the fuck? Like, seriously, Mace? <sighs> I didn't say I didn't like you. Well, do you like me or what? Tracy rolled her eyes. I don't know. You tell me. You know what? You really getting on my nerves. So? She snapped at him. So why don't you tell me what you want from me? Tell me what you want from... That's another Mace song. Damn, now I sound like a fan. But that song was a bop. <sighs> Tracy lied. I don't want nothing from you. So why the hell you keep staring at me? Teenage turned to see what was going on. Tracy was amused by Bruce's temper. She giggled and said, you better calm down, boy. Bruce responded, skating away. Fuck it, I quit. I'm tired of talking to you. 
Tracy shouted, come here. For what? Just come here, she repeated, heading over to a water fountain on her skates. Bruce skated over behind her. Do you want my phone number? She asked, digging this out of her new white Sixers jacket. Is it going to mean anything? Bruce asked her. Tracy snapped, what you think? Bruce started to walk away. Yeah, boy, God, Tracy yelled. Are you sure? Because I ain't playing no more games, he warned her. You'll find out when you call me. Bruce smiled helplessly. He was in love with Tracy's style. And for the rest of that night, she was the only thing he could think about. Jesus Christ. Bruce went home and dreamed about Tracy. Remember, whenever they talk about this kind of stuff, you're going to be like, why don't you sound more animated? And it's because, nigga, it's a 14-year-old. So let's go. Bruce went home and dreamed about Tracy coming over to his house to make love to him. He imagined herself rolling over and spreading her legs while she lay in his bed. He would then melt into her naked body as she squeezed him and moaned his name. And when they were finished, she would cuddle up to him and whisper, I love you. Bruce called Tracy up and was invited to visit her. He was so excited that he immediately began practicing what he would say and how he would act. He planned to toss on some of his polo cologne and get a fresh haircut for his shiny waves. And as far as Rahima seeing him, he told himself, so what? She ain't fucking anyway. I wasted my time with her just like Bucky tried to tell me. Mom, this is Bruce, Tracy said, leading him into the kitchen. Patty looked him over and said, how are you? I've heard so much about you. See, I told you I was talking about you, Tracy bragged, grinning at him. Bruce felt important, but what he didn't know was that Tracy had only talked about how he looked and how he dressed. She led him back into the living room and sat down with him on the couch. Jason then ran and jumped on him. What's your name? he asked. Bruce? They shook hands, with Bruce swallowing Jason's. You like Tracy? Jason asked. Bruce beamed. I don't know. Tracy butted in. You want something to drink? Yeah, Bruce said. Tracy got him lemonade, and Bruce gulped it down in one big swallow. Dag, you want some more? She asked, surprised by it. He must be thirsty or something, she thought to herself. Nah, Bruce responded with a nervous smile. But after playing with Jason, he began to feel at home. Tracy took the cup back to the kitchen. Patty grinned at her. Tracy, he cute. I know, because I don't deal with ugly guys, Tracy said, walking back out to the living room with a slight bounce. She sat back on the couch with Bruce. Bruce moved closer to her. You just wake up pretty, don't you? He asked. Tracy responded with a giggle. Nah, you have to ask my mother about that. <laughs> Bruce's eyes focused on the 27-inch RCA that Jason had turned on. It's a big-ass TV y'all got. Tracy whispered, looking at her brother. Watch your mouth, boy. Jason was a human tape recorder. Oh, my fault, Bruce apologized. Dad, you ain't got no manners, Tracy responded, still getting on him about it. What you mean, still getting on him? It literally happened like... She looked at Bruce's clothing and smiled. What's so funny, he quizzed. Where you get your sneakers from? From Foot Lockers. How you be getting all them glasses? Bruce lied, thinking that Tracy liked adventure. We stole them. Her eyes bloomed. For real? Bruce frowned. No, girl, I bought them. Well, excuse me, Mr. Money. Bruce cracked a broad smile while Tracy thought about making her move. Bruce? What? Won't you buy me some stuff? Tracy leaned into him. 
Jason smiled, watched for Bruce's reaction to his sister's begging. Tracy was always begging for something. Bruce chuckled and said, All right, give me the money. Tracy sucked her teeth and nudged him. For real, Bruce, please, I'm serious. Her head softly met his shoulder. Bruce insisted, When you give me the money, I'll do it. Tracy was pissed. Dag, you stingy boy, she huffed at him, straightening up from his shoulder. I should make you leave, she pouted. Bruce didn't care if he left at that point. He had had a good time, and he could tell that Tracy was enjoying his company. Oh, well, I'll roll in, he said, getting up to walk to the door. Psych, Bruce, I'm only playing with you, she said, pulling him back down the couch with her. But you gonna take me to the movies? For what? Because I want to go. Bruce grinned. If I take you, I won't be able to talk to no other girls. Tracy rolled her eyes and sighed at him. You a trip. Bruce leaned back into her couch and enjoyed the rest of his stay. Tracy's plan to get Bruce's materials without giving him anything was going nowhere. Bruce continued to avoid all her money questions. He liked teasing her. He knew what she was after, and he began to ask her for a proper trade-off. They wore each other out with their demands. Neither of them seemed to be getting anywhere. And soon they began to talk to other people, fading off from each other. By early March, Bruce had a new girlfriend, and Tracy liked a green-eyed, light-skinned boy who had clout in her school. Green-eyed Timmy had been approaching her for weeks, but Tracy refused to be his plaything. Timmy already had a girlfriend, and Bruce going through the same old charades, struggling with every girl who liked him. He had the same old problems, not being able to keep the girls interested and never being able to score. It was early April before Tracy saw Bruce looking deliciously tempting again. She was going out for a track team, and Bruce happened to show up for a girl who was going out for the team as well. Jantel was already a star on the team, but she was still not as close with Tracy as they had been before Carmen entered the picture. Bruce looked shockingly handsome in the bright spring sun. His legs were strong and masculine in his shorts. Maybe that was what was... Maybe that was what turned Tracy on. Or possibly it was the haircut. His thick, wavy hair shone like it was wax. Or maybe it was the gold rope chain that he wore around the neck with a dollar sign hanging over his red polo tennis shirt. Whatever it was that turned Tracy on, it hit her like a bag of bricks that day. And all she could think about was how much she wanted him. Hey, Marcy, tell that boy right there that somebody said he looks good, Tracy said to a new friend. She pointed the short, thick-built sprinter to Bruce, who was standing at the fence that surrounded the track. Marcy walked right over to him and said it. Who said that? Bruce quizzed, knowing who it was already. Only Tracy was that bold. Marcy confirmed it. Some girl named Tracy did. Bruce looked over at her, and Tracy smiled at him. Bruce felt desperate. Well... Tell her that I love her, he said to Marcy. What? Like, that's, that's, your, that's your response? That's it? No. Tracy asked Marcy excitedly, what did he say? He said that he loves you. A burst of joy flowed through Tracy's body. She had made up her mind. She decided that she would do it with him. No boy ever said that he loves me, she thought. She called Bruce up to talk and he desperately tried to get her over to his house, but she refused. She wanted to wait to take birth control pills. Bruce was angry, having no idea why she had told him no again, because there she went, telling him no again.
He tried unsuccessfully to squirrel with other girls, becoming more and more pressed for a sexual encounter. Maybe it was the warm weather that was making him so restless for lovemaking, but Bruce was ready to do it with anyone who would let him. He felt as though he was being punished by the forces of nature. I can't get no ass to save my life, he told himself. By the end of another sexless week, Bruce was devastated. His new girlfriend would not agree to consort with him either. He wouldn't dare to rape a girl. His mother would kill him after she threw him out. Wait. What? You think that's the worst case scenario of you sexually assaulting a girl? That's your reason for not doing it, my nigga? Like, seriously? You wrote this? I ain't gonna rape nobody because my mama would kick my ass and then throw me out. What you mean, jail? Ain't no such thing. My mama throw me out, though. That's a real, that's a real issue. So there's nothing that he could do to speed up nature's process, but wait for his time to come. Every dog has his day, he mused. But if I don't get some sex soon, I feel like I'm about to turn into one. So what happened, man? Bucky asked. Bruce had returned from his girlfriend's house. He answered, sitting on Bucky's steps with his head down. She said her period was on. Bucky laughed, straightening out his Adidas tennis outfit. You went for that nut shit? Bruce threw up his hands. Look, man, what was I supposed to do? You should have let her know right off the back that you ain't no nut, cuz. Bruce shook his head and said, yeah, well, it's too late for that now. Maybe it just ain't meant for me to get no ass. Man, shut up. That's probably why they all think you a sucker now. Well, what we gonna do tonight? Bruce asked, changing the subject. There had to be at least a million better things worth talking about as far as he was concerned. Bucky tucked in his shirt. He wasn't good looking, but to Bruce, Bucky had poise and style. I don't know what you doing, but I'm gonna get with this bitch later on, he said. Then again, Bucky simply did and said what he wanted, and girls seemed to respect him for it. Damn. Well, I might as well go see this girl myself, Bruce suggested. Yeah, you better do something. Bruce left immediately. The early April night was warm and peaceful. He walked to the girl's block where he found her standing with her slightly bow-legged girlfriend. Bruce could not help watching her friend's bow legs for the 20 or so minutes that he spent with them. So what's up, Nikki? Nothing. You just decided to come around here and see me, huh? Why you say it like that? Were you bored or something, Bruce? What, I gotta be bored to come see you? I'm asking you. Bruce looked at her girlfriend. Damn, he said, laughing. Nikki knew what he was talking about, but she tried to let it pass. Are you going to that party tonight? She asked him. Nah, what party? At the playground center. Nope, I want to be with you tonight, Bruce said, glancing at her girlfriend again. Nikki had enough. She snapped. This is Carrie, since you act like you want to meet her. Bruce was caught, and all he could do was smile about it. Why you say that? He responded, still grinning. You know what, Bruce? You can go back home since you ain't got no respect for me. Aw, now, why you gonna say that? Nikki ignored him. Bruce decided to leave. There was no way he could keep his mind on one girl when he wasn't getting anything from any of them. The hell's the use, he thought. Bruce went home and sat inside of his living room. He lay back on the couch exhausted from his thoughts of hopelessness. It was one of those Friday nights when all of his friends would get drunk. 
but Bruce didn't feel like being drunk. He felt like being inside of a girl. He closed his eyes, dreaming about it. Bring. That's the sound of a phone for all y'all new booties. He answered the phone on the first ring. Hello? Hi, it's Tracy. Hey, girl, what's going on? He asked excitedly. He straightened up on the couch. Are you mad at me for not coming to your house? Nah, I'm just happy to be talking to each other again. Tracy was still his number one. Come up here, she demanded. Bruce was shocked. When, he asked. Now. For real? He thought about the suddenness of it. You're not playing with me, are you? He asked her. No, I'm serious, she told him. Okay, I'll be up. Bruce hung up the phone, ran to his room, threw on some cologne, grabbed a couple of rubbers from out of his drawer and broke out the front door. He ran up Chelton Avenue and on to Wayne. He only stopped running when he had reached the corner of Diamond Lane. He then calmed himself and rang Tracy's bell. Tracy walked onto her front steps looking beautiful. She wore a small pink flower in her thick, dark brown hair. Bruce asked, How you doing? I'm okay. You got a car ride or something? Tracy asked, wondering how he had gotten there so fast. Bruce lied, Yeah, my boy dropped me off at the corner. Oh, Tracy said, looking womanly. Bruce looked over at Rahima's door and then at Tracy. Well, can I come in? He decided to ask. He thought it would be embarrassing to have Rahima come out and catch him. Tracy told him with a smile, Come on. It was dark inside. A red lamp was the only thing on. They sat on the couch and Tracy kept her distance, staring down at her lap. What are you doing that for? Bruce quizzed. I don't know. Where your mom at? She went out. Bruce wanted to make a move immediately, but Tracy gave him no hints. If he wanted to get it, she would make him come after it. Bruce started to harden, thinking about the possibilities. He moved closer to her and attempted to fill on her breasts. Tracy didn't stop him. She wanted him to do more, but Bruce stopped in fear that she might stop him. Can I get something to drink? He asked, standing up momentarily. He didn't know what to do with himself. Tracy got up to get him some lemonade, thinking of how inexperienced Bruce was acting. He drank it down as if he was ready to die from thirst again. Tracy took the cup back to the kitchen. Bruce then told himself that he wouldn't procrastinate, that he would go for it now. Tracy came back from the kitchen, and Bruce gently caressed and kissed her as she responded positively towards it. Bruce then leaned up and went for her pants zipper, but Tracy stopped him. Hold up, my mom might be coming, she lied, hearing a car pulling up outside. Patty wasn't due to be home until late. It was only 9.45, and Jason had been knocked out in dreamland an hour earlier. Tracy had made sure to exhaust him earlier that day, so she could have the nighttime all to herself. Bruce got scared and leapt off her. Tracy walked to the door, holding in her laugh. She looked through the shades. Nope, I was wrong. Bruce held her up against the door and tried to kiss her again. Tracy turned her head from him to avoid it. Bruce kissed her neck instead. Stop, Bruce. So what are we going to do then? All right, I'll do it with you. God, she snapped at him. Right? That don't sound like no sort of consent. And also, try and think of the best way to say this. Tracy shouldn't be doing this shit. Like sex. Like she's really young. You can tell she's really young because she's playing these stupid ass games. Like, 
oh, that might be my mama when she knows her mom ain't nowhere nearby just to see what will happen next. And then playing this teasing game. But like that song my, my, my beloved wife likes. Did Lotto make that song? I got it from. Yeah, it was Lotto and Gucci. Yeah, she learned it from her mama. Her mom played this, not my wife. I mean, and not, I mean, Lotto raps about it, but I'm talking about Tracy. Her mom plays these games with her dad or played these games with her dad. You, we got that from the beginning of the book. So Tracy literally learned it from watching her. And now she's playing these games with, with Bruce. And it's like putting gasoline on top of a, a dynamite wick and then lighting it. You ain't going to stop it. Especially when you're playing these dumbass games. So, while he's doing shit that he shouldn't be doing and pushing up on her and really should slow down to get consent, she's playing her games as well. And they're both playing a dangerous game. Are you sure? Bruce asked, no longer believing anything she said. Yeah, just let me go. Bruce let her go, feeling victorious. Tracy walked away from him and sat on the couch. Why we gotta do it? She whined. Bruce sighed. He shook his head disappointedly. I bet Victor ain't got to go through this shit. Fuck him, Tracy hollered in response. She walked over by the stairs. Bruce said, look, I'm getting out of here because you ain't doing nothing but playing with me. He grabbed his jacket and bolted for the door. Tracy yelled, where you going, Bruce? Going the fuck home. Where you think I'm going? No. Well, why you call me up here if you don't want to do nothing? Because I want to talk to you. When I get home, I'll call you up then. I said no, boy. Tracy hollered at him again. What are we going to do then, Tracy? Tracy looked away inside. She then walked over to the bottom of the stairs. Get your stuff and come up to my bedroom, she told him. Bruce struggled to keep his composure. He headed up the stairs, walking up first and feeling aroused. Tracy followed him sluggishly. Bruce got to her all-pink room in the dark. Trace stood in the doorway behind him. Well, come on, Bruce turned and said. Tracy shied away from him. I don't want to duel with you, she whined, still playing games. But at the same time, this is a guy writing this book. And I know I told y'all about the lion and the man and the lion saying, you know, if, if, if lions were artists, every picture wouldn't be a man killing a lion. It would be a lion whooping y'all's white asses. Because back in those days, you know, I figured it was a, a, a Mediterranean ass. Because, you know, it was Greece. It's, it's Aesop's fables. It wasn't talking about no black dude. But if a woman was writing this, I wonder if it would read differently. You know? Like, you, you're saying she's playing games, but also she's a little ass kid. I know. I know. I'm flip-flopping. I don't want to do it with you, she whined, still playing games. Bruce was about to go out of his mind, but he figured he was too close to lose. Nah, man, that's it, he said, grabbing at her pants. What the fuck? Bruce fought him. Get off me, I'll do it, she said, peeling his hands from her jeans. Bruce frowned. Come on, girl, stop playing with me, he said as if he were about to cry. Trey started to laugh. She loved Bruce's temper. You get on my nerves, boy, she said, finally taking off her pants. Bruce's heart beat wildly as she began to strip. Tracy began the first girl that he saw butt naked in his life, except for the time he walked in on his cousin taking an afternoon shower. So, I guess this was his first time having sex. Also, look. 
Bruce tried to lay Tracy's honey brown body on the bed underneath this chestnut brown frame. Tracy stopped him. No, Bruce. What you mean no, he asked, confused. I want to do it on the floor. Bruce cracked a colossal smile. He was in heaven. Everything Tracy said added to his excitement. <sighs> she stretched a blanket out on the floor, spread her legs and raised her knees up high like she had done for Victor more than a dozen times. She whined, hurry up, Bruce, it's cold. Bruce climbed over top of her and tried to enter, but he couldn't find the right place. No, what are you trying to do? Tracy asked. It's too dark in here. I can't see. Bruce said, making excuses. Omarion made the same excuses. That's why he always said, leave the lights on. Oh, baby, by the way, if you don't know, I want you. Never mind. He tried again and failed, falling on top of her and breathing like he had done something. Tracy asked, what's wrong? Bruce laughed it off. I don't believe this. What? I ain't even hard no more. Tracy sucked her teeth. Well, get off me then. Nah, Bruce responded. But see, if you wasn't playing with me, this wouldn't have happened, he said, making up more excuses for his inexperience. They lay there for a while, doing nothing. Bruce then tried to make himself a wreck by rubbing himself against her leg. Help me, Tracy, he whined. Tracy was repulsed. No, I'm not touching it. Bruce sat up, planning with himself to become erect again. Come on, help me, he begged Tracy. Tracy grabbed at him and moved her hand back and forth. Bruce began to suck her breasts. Tracy then ran her fingers over his back and he was up like a ladder. Put it in, he told her. Tracy did it with ease, making Bruce feel stupid that he couldn't do it. He leveled himself on top of her and began to move around in circles, not really knowing what he was doing. He didn't feel anything special. Sex is overrated. Tracy felt nothing either. It wasn't like when Victor did it to her. Bruce didn't have any of Victor's experience. After a few minutes of feeling nothing, Tracy tried to push him off her, but Bruce tightened his grip on her body. He continued to do what was meaningless, squirming around in circles and finally tired himself out. Also, at the point where she tried to push you off her, you should get the fuck off. Tracy shoved him away and sat up to think, this boy ain't know what the hell he was doing. She figured she had given him a fair shot, and Bruce had grossly disappointed her. Put your clothes on, he demanded, slipping on her own. Bruce refused. Nah, I want to see what I got with your lights on, he said, smiling and feeling proud of himself. Trace slid on her long baby blue nightshirt, refusing to show Bruce her naked body in the light. He then pulled his clothes back on in defeat. Tracy walked to the top of the steps and froze. Oh my God, Bruce, it's my mom, she said hysterically. Patty had come home earlier than expected. Hurry up and hide in the closet. She forced Bruce in before he even had a chance to think. He fell in over all her shoes and under her clothing, which dangled over his head. Tracy frantically straightened up the room and sprayed air freshener. Patty walked into the house and headed straight for Tracy's room, knowing that she wasn't asleep yet. It was a quarter of eleven on a Friday night. Bruce was crunched and scared, listening in the closet. Well, how was it, Mom? Tracy asked. She really wanted to ask why she was back home so early, but she didn't want her mom to get suspicious. It was nice and all. Was Jason all right? Patty didn't suspect anything. You know, you should suspect something if you walk into the room and it smells like lemon air freshener or Febreze or something like that in a room that doesn't usually smell like Febreze. That's 
kind of a dead giveaway. Yeah, he went to sleep like at 8.30, Tracy told her. Patty looked surprised. He did? Yep. Well, he must have been ripping and running all day, huh? Bruce's long legs tightened in the closet, feeling severely cramped. Mom, I need some new jeans, Tracy was saying. I just bought you two pair. Bruce was praying that her mother didn't walk over to check out her closet. Yeah, but I want some black ones because my other ones are too small now. Tracy had enough clothes, which were beating Bruce up in the closet. This girl is spoiled as shit, he thought. I pay for my own gear. Patty finally left for bed after what Bruce thought was eternity. Tracy then snuck downstairs to open the front door. Bruce was dying in the closet, balled up like a snail when she made it back up to get him. As she opened the closet door, Tracy whispered, Come on. Bruce struggled to his feet while Tracy hurried him down the stairs. Bruce then fell out on her lawn, stretching out his legs in the grass. What are you doing? Tracy asked. Bruce pouted. Look, my legs are messed up, all right? Let me stuff you in a fucking closet. Tracy giggled and said, Get up, boy. Bruce did and headed on his way home. The cars were shining, the streets were clean, the wind was blowing, the moon was glowing, the grass was shimmering, the sky was filled with stars, and the poor were no longer hungry as Bruce jogged home. He was on cloud nine. He was satisfied. He had gotten some, and he couldn't wait to tell his friend Bucky. Yeah, I know that this, this, usually episodes are like 45 to 50 minutes. Yeah, I fucking know. But you know what? We're only 52% done with this fucking book. So y'all getting the whole goddamn full Monty whenever I can. If the chapter's an hour and 22 minutes, guess what? You're goddamn right. You're welcome. This book is... I don't know. I don't know. Did you read this when you were younger? Baby? If she did, it's been a minute. So, probably. But I don't... I don't know. I guess we weren't troubled by this shit when we were younger. But now, this book did not age well at all. At all. Period. 916-633-1537. Wretched and Wretched at gmail.com. Wretched Book Club on Twitter. Wretched Book Club on Facebook. You can leave a review on Spotify. It takes like 13 seconds. You can also leave a review on uh, Podchaser. Copy and paste that into Apple Podcasts. And then copy and paste that into the Good Pods app. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast. One dollar will get you a ton of content. Uh, you can also donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or on the Good Pods app. You can leave a tip in the tip jar. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. Outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat.
single simulcast. Don't know my name, you say.